You're listening to the Popzara Podcast. Popzara presents the State of Gaming Podcast. That's right. Welcome back, everybody. It's the State of Gaming Podcast from Popzara.com. I know you're excited. I'm excited because it's the State of Gaming for May 2022. Now, if you're listening to this on your podcast feed and you thought, wait a minute, I just had an episode of this like two weeks ago. What's going on? That's because all that stuff was late last month. So we had to move April into the beginning of May. So do not adjust your podcast feeds unless you want more than one episode. So this is for May 2022. That's right. The numbers came out. We are here to report them. And for the State of Gaming May 2022, we have to have the usual State of Gaming co-host. That's right. It's Mr. Senior Games Editor, Mr. Corey Gallagher. Corey, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I, I kind of got used to being Corey, Corey G-Man Gallagher, and this, this is a whole new paradigm we've reached here. I've, I've First done off, nobody's studies. ever called me G-Man except for you. I've, I've never heard of that before, but... Well, you insist on saying welcome to the next level, so I'm going to insist on some trickle for you. Nice. Uh, you know, I didn't announce myself. I'm Nathan Evans, managing editor of Popstar, and Mr. Corey Gigapixel Gallagher. Gigapixel? Gigapixel. I mean, there's so many variations we could do with G, and they're, oh, they're all bad. Gigapixel. Bad. It's big and it's wide, baby. Gigapixel sounds like a cell phone that failed. And kind of. Was, but was touted as the next iPhone killer. It's the Nokia Gigapixel. You know they have a new one coming out called the Nothing? Sorry? There's literally a new Android phone coming out. It's a big – all the tech websites are hyping it. It's called the Nothing. And uh, I thought to myself, wow, somebody didn't update the placeholder. It is actually called the Nothing Phone it's, 1. And it's from the guy who made the OnePlus phone, I think it is. I see. And he's promising all the same thing. It's going to revolutionize everything. So basically someone's got a scam going on. Mm. But – yeah, it's, it's the next iPhone killer, just like all the last 20 iPhone killers. Maybe they should stop concentrating on killing the iPhone and just making a good phone. You would think. They, they sound like Klingons on Star Trek. Like, they have to go to war. Anyway, uh, thanks again for joining us because, like we said, we already had an earlier episode this month because last month the numbers were late. It had to trickle over. So this is the real May 2022, Corey. So this is the real thing. And oh, okay. And it's not much better than last month, to be honest. So let's start off. So this is where we talk about the best games, or the biggest games, I should say, for the month. Then we go, we talk about our good friends, the NPD, uh, for last month's sales. And then we talk about everything else. There so you know again. what? You know what? Actually, I changed my mind. Let's just go down in order. Because I think, I think this, uh, this is the one people are going to recognize to talk about it first. And the first thing on the list for this month is Evil Dead the Game. And I mentioned it because while we were talking just now... I figured out the right game to compare it to, and you're going to be, you haven't played this game, you don't know about it, but trust me, a few years ago, maybe even, I think 2020, uh, Resident Evil 3, the remake came out, you remember that? I did, I actually played it. Do you remember that it also, it might have been Village, one of those games came with a multiplayer version, did you play that? I, I think it was called Resistance. Resistance? Resident no, Evil I, Resistance. I don't, think, I don't think I played that one. So basically, Evil Dead the game is that game. And nobody played that game, and I don't think anybody's going to play Evil Dead the game. The idea is that you play as a group of survivors trying to get some tasks done, a little bit, a little bit like Dead by Daylight. And meanwhile, one other person is also controlling the enemies that you fight. It's kind of like a strategy thing versus uh, the survivors playing like an action game, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a little sense. A little sense. It, uh, does, does it make sense for Evil Dead? Not really, but uh, there well, you have it. Let's just say this. Are you an Evil Dead fan? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've loved all the films. I haven't seen Ash vs. Evil Dead yet, though. Okay, I will say this. Uh, we're talking about Evil Evil. The reason this game came out right now, it's because it's capitalizing off the success of the new Sam Raimi movie, which is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which, by the way, also has multiple cameos from Bruce Campbell. So if you've seen the movie, you know this already. Bruce Campbell is in the game as well, or as a voice anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, boy, Bruce Campbell shows up in all kinds of games, to be honest. He was in Mortal Kombat... <laughs> Uh, there were se This is not the first Evil Dead game either. There were several before this, and I think he was in all of them. Yeah. The only good video game that Bruce Campbell's ever actually been in, where he was actually part of the game, was a game called Broken Helix. Did you, you ever play that? On, Broken uh, Helix? Why does that sound familiar? It's old, isn't it? It's very yeah, it's old. old. It's like it's a DOS game. It's, no, it's from the 90s. It's on the PlayStation uh, hmm. from Konami. And it's just Bruce Campbell riffing as you play the game, and it's hilarious. It's he's like this is nineteen ninety seven. Was Bruce Campbell. Campbell the guy in Sewer Shark? No. no, no, no. And by the way, that was Mark Hamill in the uh, Wing Commander games. 
huh. before his before his career resurrection. So there's a lot of interplay between good voice actors and games, but usually like the better voice actors are in the bad games, and the bad voice actors are in the good games. Like, can you imagine an actual Evil Dead with like Bruce Campbell as like Chris Renfield? It wouldn't fit, but it'd be hilarious. So like the problem with Evil Dead the game, it could be a good game. It's really hard to say. When I first tried to play it, um, the servers were <laughs> having problems, as they tend to with these online-only games made out of these different properties. You know, funny story, Mitchell Resident Evil Resistance, I don't think that even exists anymore. Uh, so I don't know if I'd count on Evil Dead the game sticking out much longer either. But I mean, if you want to, if you like Evil Dead, you want to try it. You probably want to try it soon. I will say this: um, you said you hadn't mentioned, you hadn't watched Ash vs Evil Dead. No, I'm not seeing that. It is one of the funniest TV shows I have ever seen. It is great. It is really consistently good. It is a good follow up <laughs> to the movies that will never happen again. Like, let's be honest here. I mean, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, then. Um, so they did, a, they did a remake of Evil Dead, and it, it, it missed the point entirely. It's definitely not what we were after. Oh, you know how bad... Okay, first of all, the movie's not bad, but it's not an Evil Dead movie. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's basically like a Saw-style film, and just... Yeah. Well, which I don't, you know, I don't mind that. It's good horror, but... But the, somebody said, you know what? Let's go back to Evil Dead, because the first Evil Dead was pretty straight horror before yeah. it became comedy. Yeah. And somebody said, you know what? Let's make another straightforward horror Evil Dead, forgetting that the only reason people really like this franchise is because it's goofy. Yeah, no, it'd be Bruce completely Campbell. forgettable if it wasn't for Bruce Campbell and the fact that oh. it's, a, it's comedy. And they knew this, too, because if you ever watch that remake, if you ever watch it, if you watch through the credits, like Marvel style, at the very end of the credits, He's, for yeah. no reason, yeah. it's not connected to anything. You see the silhouette of Bruce Campbell, and he looks at the screen, and he goes groovy. Like, this has nothing to do with the film we just watched. It's one second to remind you how much better this could have been. And by the way, they're making another one. They're rebooting they? it again. They're rebooting it again uh, as another serious Evil Dead movie without Bruce Campbell. They're rebooting really? it again. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on to better, happier days. Yep, better, happier days. Uh, for instance, uh, the next thing on our list, which it gets my vote, honestly, for one of the better games I've played in the past couple months, um, Salt and Sacrifice. You just reviewed this, didn't you? I did. I just uh, I think I put that one in a couple days ago, and yeah. So Salt and Sacrifice, right? You you're a big fan of Soul style games. You love them. I remember you talking about Elden Ring. You loved Elden <laughs> I'm, Ring. Uh, I'm tolerant. Yeah, you love these games. You definitely didn't... You made fun of me because my fat guy, my fat, over-specced character, made it all the way to the last boss in Elden Ring, and I couldn't beat it. So <laughs> you I couldn't definitely beat the didn't, giant definitely didn't throw creature. a fit and quit the game at the final boss. No, no, no. I, I made it through, and I might go back. But you, you said, how the hell did you get all the way to the end being so big and fat? And I don't know either. Just I just stayed with it. <laughs> so, Salt <laughs> and Sacrifice, right? Imagine... Okay, okay, so you like these Soulstar games. Now, imagine we took that and combined it with Monster Hunter. Oh, fun. Imagine that when you killed, like, one of the one of the big spooky bosses in Elden Ring, you could make a hat out of its butt. Well, I mean, that's the dream. Imagine. Well, good news, that's, that's Salt and Sacrifice. That's this game. Let me ask you a question. Everyone is comparing it to a From Software game. Does that do the game a disservice, though? It's interesting. So the, this is actually a sequel to a game called Salt and Sanctuary. It came out about, I want to say, five, six years ago. And <laughs> that game was pretty directly a From Software ripoff. It was very similar. This has elements of games like Souls, but it's a lot more like Monster Hunter. How does that benefit someone who may find like Elden Ring-style game too challenging? Uh, you know, funny story, I'm not really sure it would. It feels a bit like an Elden Ring-style game where you're encouraged to refight the bosses, find ways to kind of optimize the way you defeat them. And if you're into that idea, I think you'll like it. But if your issue with, say, Elden Ring and Souls games is that they're very difficult and they're frustrating, uh, this is not going to change your mind. And it's it's a side-scrolling game, right? It's not... Yeah, it's a side-scrolling game. And you would think that'd yeah. make it easier. It actually makes it a lot harder because we can uh, when you can only dodge in two directions... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can't roll your way into the background. But no, the game looks good. I mean, it, it looks colorful and everything. I never played the first one either. So my favorite part of Salt and Sacrifice isn't even this fact you can make uh, make hats in people's butts. It is the fact that you can play multiplayer with people. And that might, you know, everybody, all these Souls games have multiplayer. Uh, Salt and Sacrifice has a bunch of different kinds of multiplayer. And my favorite one is uh, you invade somebody's world or they're trying to fight a boss or whatever, and you are basically playing as the Joker. Um... <laughs> Your job is to show up and offer them a spooky gift box. 
and you get a reward if they open your spooky gift box, but you also get a reward if you just kill them. So a little bit of uh, souls, a little bit of uh, monster, and a little bit of death by daylight. Yeah, yeah, it has a lot of interesting concepts. Um, I think I read about this in my review, but basically, I think um, I think we're gonna see some of these ideas kind of refined and cloned mm-hmm. on later, to be honest. And that's fine. I mean, that's where you that's where you get that's where the best innovation comes from these days. Like, yeah, exactly. Innovating a single thing. I'll say this though, graphically, it looks like my favorite game of last year, which was a surprise to me, which was the Ghosts and uh, the Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Very it, hard. It, which, by the way, was also super hard that nobody beat. So I. I like got past the first level, sort of. Did you play it? Which? Would you play it on? You played it on, played the, Switch it on the Switch. PC. It was hard as hell. Just it's hard as hell on the PC. It's the same game, just you know, probably a little cleaner. But uh, no, I mean, I know you like this game. A lot of people have talked about this, and I mean, I think this might get the award for like, like I, I hate say, saying this, but like maybe the best new game of the month. Is that accurate? Um, what? Swan Sacrifice? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the next That's, game. By the way. If you use that quote, some make sure you link back to us. Hey, Song Sacrifice. Say. It's the most innovative shooter we've played in years. Um, yeah. So the it's next the game, you know, it's interesting. You <laughs> you gave this game a lot of attention. We were talking before the podcast, and that kind of shocked me because I, I didn't think anybody picked up on this one. Um, this is uh, Trek to Yomi. And Trek to Yomi is um, the easiest way to explain this one. You played Ghost of Tsushima? I beat it. Okay, cool. So you know when you start Ghost of Tsushima, it offers you Kurosawa mode. Yeah, where everything's all black and white. Where everything is all black and white, and everything is Japanese subtitled, and it's, it looks nothing like a Kurosawa movie at all. Trek to Yomi does, and that's cool. And it's on Game Pass, so you probably have Game Pass, and you don't have to pay for this game, and that's cool. And I played it, and it's alright. Did you play it? No, I haven't, haven't played it. I forgot it kind of came out. And I'll say this. The only reason I know this game exists is because this game, and I think it was Sifu and a handful of other stuff, all came, all were announced like when people were very excited about Ghost of Tsushima. Ah, I and see. They, they all sort of, um, like Katamari style, they all sort of rolled their enthusiasm into one. And so, no, I, I really don't know anything other than, about Trek to Yomi other than people compared it to Ghost of Tsushima. And so I think... it's it's a very unflattering comparison. I definitely wouldn't yeah. even try that. Um, Trek to Yomi is an aesthetic kind of game, and you know what I'm talking about. It's the... Um, yeah. I wouldn't even say art game because there's gameplay. I mean, you know, there is sword fighting. It's uh, pretty tight. It feels good to play it, but it's also very simple. Um, it is a game that's mostly about the experience of playing the game. It looks really cool. The gameplay does not have a lot going on underneath, you know, countering and swinging a sword around, so you'll get sick of it quickly. But the game also wins quickly. I, I hate to say it, pretty forgettable in the end. Not terrible, but you can't compare it to Ghost of Tsushima. Well, I wonder, though, if we're at an end of these, style, these like, hyper-stylistic aesthetic games that, you know, sort of began with things like, um, oh, Limbo, where, you know, you have these hyper-stylistic, black and white, sometimes color, sometimes not, moody, like... I don't know what the word you use, just just sort of uh, immersive games that look really pretty. But honestly, I've never really been a fan of the genre, apart from apart from just cheering on like indie developers. Right. Yeah, no, I kind of feel that like there's nothing wrong with a game that looks good just to look good. But as you say, we kind of need more these days. We had a I mean, you do you remember the dark days of like, I want to say 2007 to 2012, where there are all these walking simulators and just oh, (laughs) they still are, you know. And by the way, by the way, if you're going to make a game. Pushing up on the controller and following someone for 20 minutes while they, like, narrative dump on you is not gameplay. Yeah. Put that, that's... Put that into a cutscene and let me skip it. We, we see a lot less of that now, but it's still definitely a thing, yeah. It's happening, yeah. It's it's slowly fading into the other because I think a lot of games like that uh, were to compensate for streaming. Like right. Like hard drives and discs, and that, I mean, that's just how they integrated it into it, but... No, I'm not a big fan of walking simulators because I have a walking simulator. It's called My Life. I see. I can go outside and, and I can simulate walking into a car and getting hurt. No, I just, to each their own. I can't comment on Trek to Yomi. I haven't played it, but you have. And Like I, I, like I said, I mean, it's it's fine for what it is. I think that if you have Game Pass on Xbox or PC, then it's very much worth the probably weekend it will take you to get through it if you're into this kind of aesthetic and this kind of game. Um, but if you're thinking of like getting it on on PlayStation or whatever, or you don't have Game Pass, I probably wouldn't bother. And by the way, we might have to start modifying our recommendations for Game Pass because, uh, you know, Sony's made a lot of work into, into improving their PS Plus. You know, their, their right. Uh, what, are they call, what are they calling it now? It's, it's still called PS Plus. Um, but 
but they're clearly going after Game Pass, which is great. Well, but, yeah, I mean, the competition is a good thing. And, you know, um, we'll have to see how it works out. They definitely played up the original version of PS Plus, and they also played up PS Now. And um, neither of them really blew me away. Sure. I mean, it was nice getting games like um, you keep, but... Well, I mean, the problem, the biggest problem is, and, and I think something like this would be tailor-made for that PlayStation Plus, is that there's there's tiers of it, whereas, like, on Xbox Game Pass, the only tier is PC or console. Or and, you know, I, I never really understood that concept when it came to this kind of thing. Like, why do tiers? Like, give me the option to have it or not, um, because I know that I'm just going to get the highest tier, and I think anybody who really cares enough about this stuff to get a subscription is just going to get the highest tier. I think it's I think it's licensing. I think when you look at like something like Amazon Luna, the, their streaming service, it's oh, not that traditional. Exists. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> but you don't you don't subscribe to the service. You subscribe to like a tier, sure. like Action tier or whatever, or Ubisoft tier. Isn't that how and, Stadia works too? If I recall. Yeah, I, th- I think so. who knows? What yeah, who, nobody is. nobody has. Stadia. I like how you say how Stadia works. It doesn't really. Yeah. But I'll say this. Uh, I mean, the service works. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But no, I mean. They have to figure this out because of licensing, and, and even with Game Pass, games come and go on Game Pass because of licensing. So, I mean, the only one that's pretty stable is the Nintendo one because there ain't much there to begin with. Yeah, that's there's nothing there in the first place. I will say, I don't know if you've had a chance to see what they're bringing to that new PlayStation Plus. It's um, it's, it's interesting. But it's pretty it's, exciting. It's, yeah, it's it's actual games. Like I said, they're mimicking Game Pass, whereas marquee top tier games are coming out. But I think Sony already put a kibosh that it won't be day one releases. Well, you know, is, it, you know, it's funny. funny. I'm not even excited about the, the PS5 or PS4 games. I'm excited that they're taking these older PS1 games and apparently releasing remasters explicitly for PlayStation Plus. The only problem I have with what they're doing is a lot of those numbers are from streaming versions of games. And, you know, you have Xbox Game Pass on the PC and they have their streaming tier. And sure. the streaming tier is not the way to go if you can get the native, native app. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so, I mean, it's, oh, you could play these, you could play PlayStation 3 games, blah, 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 but they're all streaming, and if you've ever used the PlayStation streaming service, it ain't very good. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've tried multiple times to get PS Now to work effectively, and it just doesn't. To be fair, most streaming stuff doesn't work very well. Hello, Switch? It's funny, the the best one that I've tried is actually Stadia. (laughs) No, it, no, yeah, exactly, like, the service itself is okay, it's just, it's just all the other gunk around it, like, the, the Google part. It makes it in, almost impossible to enjoy. It really does. Like it's it's the service is fine. It's it's the implementation, the rollout. So do you know what's I, not impossible to enjoy though? Not to, well. Let's move on. So next game. You know what's not impossible to enjoy? Pac-Man. Everybody loves Pac-Man. Oh yeah. Um, you might even say we've got Pac-Man fever. Pac-Man fever. Yeah. Uh, the song and the game. Yeah. So Pac-Man Museum. Plus, I think in my first I'll say something about this month that we are talking about a compilation of Pac-Man games is one of our big games of May. But here it is. It is what it is. Um, And honestly, as far as, you know, compilations of Pac-Man games go, it looks pretty cool. I'm reminded of the old Namco Museum games, the PlayStation. I think they um, I wasn't there some mini controversy that they had to rename like Miss Pac-Man or something because I guess Namco doesn't own all the rights. There's I don't know all the details of it. It's something. Something's going on with it, which is sad because Miss Pac-Man is the best Pac-Man game. I think we can all agree on that. That's true. Um, and I think was it Miss Pac-Man that was just uh, was it just inducted into the Gaming Hall of Fame alongside like uh, Breath of, uh, not Breath of the Wild. Um, uh, goodness gracious, what is it? Uh, Ocarina of Time. So I don't. But, think, uh, I don't think Miss Pac-Man appears at all in this collection. That's huh. that might be it. I mean, they, yeah. Don't worry, they have Pac-Land. No, I I believe that's actually the uh, what you're talking about. The Mrs. Uh, Miss Pac-Man is not here at all. I will say this: uh, a couple months ago, I told you about. That. I showed you some pictures. I was in New Hampshire in mm-hmm. a town called Laconia, and they are home to, and I'm saying this with air quotes, the world's biggest arcade, which I think it is technically square footage, but they do have an enormous, the biggest collection of classic games you've ever seen. You know, they filmed um, uh, Twin Galaxies is there. Uh, what's the name of the movie? Um, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the pack. What's the name of the, the the Kong movie? King of Kong. King of Kong. They have all that stuff there. And Corey, they have a huge selection of classic Pac-Man games, most of which I've never heard of before. Right. I'll show you some pictures. Um, I love Pac-Man. I love everything about Pac-Man. I think it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. Like I said, Miss Pac-Man for the win. Do you remember when the Xbox 360 came out with a hard drive? And one of the Pac-Man games was Pac-Man Championship Edition. I do. Actually, That's uh, that game still holds up today, to be honest. It's really fun. Yeah. And I think it created the template for all these trippy, psychedelic LSD remakes that none of them lived up to the original except for Pac-Man. Space Invaders. So, 
Space uh, Space actually do you know The Space Invaders one is really good. Have you seen the arcade version of Space Invaders, the the remake? Um, is it the one with the really, really big screen? Yeah. Yeah, the really big screen and everything. Like, it fits. Like, that aesthetic really fits. And Space Invaders is great, too. Uh, But no, I mean, I'm interested in this, but I can't believe Miss Pac-Man's not there. It's kind of surprising. It's really a classic game. Um, To have it not be here is weird. What was the game that Shigeru Miyamoto helped make on the game? Uh, game, Was it the DS or the Game Boy? What was it called? Uh, There was a specific... What was it, it was, called? It was basically Dead by Daylight before Dead by well, Daylight. Well, well, it's funny because I remember that game because uh, a Switch version of it came out. Yeah, they, re- they re-released it. What the uh, hell was that game called? You Could Be the Ghosts. You Could Be the Ghosts, yeah, exactly. But the, the, the marquee thing was you could link the systems together and play independently, which is kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I don't remember what that game was called, but it was good. So if you ever get a chance to play that GameCube Pac-Man game that I can't remember the name of... <laughs> but, might have even reviewed the, it, can't remember the name. But I'll just say this, um, that the only problem when you have games that are based around a gimmick like that, it severely limits your ability to play them later. Sort of like Wii Sports a little bit. Um, or uh, what's the game you just didn't like? House of the Dead remake. Oh, like, yeah, House of the Dead yeah, remake. Let's not even, like, ugh. Well, like, but when you take, but tell me tell me this, though. If you could literally play that game with a light gun, it would be a better game. No question. Um, I feel like a lot of the issue with that is... Um, it's basically a mouse. Like, why wouldn't you just use a mouse? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like... You With know, modern like, screens, anyway. It's just a mouse. What was that game that came out? Typing of the Dead? Typing like, of the Dead. Type, which you like, though, right? Yeah. And there was, yeah. Like, I like everybody likes yeah. that one. Yeah, but if, you, but if you reduce all of that to, like, a mouse and keyboard, it'll sound funny more. Like, you gotta, you got you to gotta know your peripherals. you gotta, you got to play to your strengths. Right. But um, Pac-Man works. Pac-Man's always great. I don't care how you play it. Uh, the only Pac-Man I don't like is Pac-Man on the 2600, because you look like a... A potato chip, and the sound is. T- Have you played Pac-Man 2600? It's awful. Uh, 2600? No, I haven't. It's, it's that, and they, they always they, it's overstated, but they claim that that game and ET you know sunk the industry. But what's so really funny though, if you guys have a chance, if you're listening to this, go on YouTube and look up Pac-Man 2600, and then go look up Miss Pac-Man 2600. Night and day, like same hardware. One version cared, and one version did not. I but, see. But Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 is atrocious. It is awful. Um, but anyway, we have, I mean, we could be here all day about Pac-Man, but we're not because yeah. we're going to move on. We are going to move on. So the next game is a pretty interesting take on a classic franchise. And I don't know, you know, you were uh, you're a little bit older than me. You probably weren't a kid back when this franchise was really big. But I remember it like in my high school can days, everybody. We be clear? Can we be clear? Like when you say franchise, like. Explain where it began. Okay, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, Vampire the Masquerade, and this game is called Swan Song, and specifically referring to the World of Darkness games, mm-hmm. uh, which was initially a tabletop game series. Um, and when I was in high school, man, this was the thing. Everybody loved World of Darkness. If you weren't playing Vampire, you were playing Werewolf. It was huge. Yeah, Corey, you went to the only school on the planet where tabletop games were more popular than sports. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was definitely a period when, you know, Twilight has come out, vampires are big, here's your chance to be a vampire, and there you go. We had a game come out around that time, actually, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodline. Surely you've heard of this one. Yeah, I've heard of it. I mean, I, I know of the franchise um, and some of the offshoots. So, uh, so Bloodlines is kind of a legendary game. It's just really well known for being great. Uh, people, fans have continued to, like, patch the game to this day. Um, if you were to download Bloodlines on Steam today, it actually comes with an official fan patch that kind of brings the game up to not not quite modern standards, but it's a lot more playable. So people are really into this series. And with Swan Song, uh, we went a different direction. You know, you would think you're playing a vampire game, you're going to be a creature of the night fighting each other, going on, you know, gun shooting underworld adventures. No. Um, how do you feel about Telltale? I don't want to tell the tale, but I, here's my question. <laughs> yeah. Telltale was fine. They made their max. What was the series they made before? Seven uh, Max. Seven Max. They did. They they were. They knew their place. Yep. They knew their place was niche. M- largely known for The Walking Dead at this point. Well, but then they made The Walking Dead, the first version, right? The mm-hmm. one I think 2012, and and it was fantastic. Like sure. a lot of people thought it was the game of the year. I did oh, too. Yeah. Like that was a fantastic game. And they got it in their heads. You know what? We made one, and it was popular. Let's make 40 of these. Yeah. Let, let Let's just license everything. Everything, and then. And we'll make this. a Telltale Minecraft game for some reason. But but more than that, more than that, the the second season of Walking Dead was an exercise in excess and hubris, and 
the, I mean, look at what happened. I mean, Wait, it's wasn't not, there it's like four seasons of that crap in the end? I say crap. The first one was they, good. It cannibalized itself. It took the goodwill and it, it just it turned itself into into an unspeakable mess. Well, and speaking of unspeakable messes, you cannot yeah. be more of an unspeakable mess than being a vampire. I mean, you sleep in a coffin, you drink blood, you turn into a bat. What Telltale? This is this isn't actually Telltale, of course. Yeah. It's kind of uh, they just kind of take the game framework from what they made. Uh, that's what yeah. Swan Song is. You have three different characters from three different vampire clans. Uh, they all have different powers and stuff. I mean, what combat there is is based on stats. I call it Telltale. The game it's really a lot like is a game nobody has played that's called The Council. Uh, that came out like three years ago. Nobody touched that crap, but um, it's a lot like that. It's kind of like a... Speaking yeah. of crap, though, did, wasn't there the wasn't there the werewolf shoot off of this series like last year, the year before? You know, funny story. There's actually been two recent World of Darkness games. One of them is that. That's called Werewolf: The Apocalypse Earthblood. It is terrible. Yeah, a lot, uh, of, uh, a lot of worst of the game awards for that. More recently, there was a battle royale style game called uh, Vampire: <laughs> The Masquerade Blood Hunt. Oh goodness. <laughs> um. Now you might be shocked to hear this. That game's decent. And uh, it's been doing pretty well for itself, too. You know, I stick around at their Discord. I play sometimes. It, there's never any trouble getting matches, which is very unusual for this kind of licensed throwaway Battle Royale game in, a, in an age where we're mostly sick of Battle Royale. Well, it's just I'm not laughing because the game might be bad. Or not. It's just it's so funny because I told you we saw that announcement with the DC Battle Royale site. Not Battle Royale. You called it Smash Brothers, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, multi multiverses is the game we're talking like, about. We got we got these characters. We don't know what to do with them. Let's put them all. Let's put them all in the same game and let them beat each other to hell. Look, I'm not it's, seeing the problem here. You can play as Velma and beat up Superman, and all I gotta say to that is Jinkies. Well, there's that one epic scene that people are memeing already with Batman and Shaggy. Yeah, 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 Batman catches Shaggy in his arms. Like and Super Saiyan. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, my goodness. It's you know what else is crazy? Than, it looks better than the Zack Snyder movies, but That's whatever. That's true. You know what else is crazy? Hmm. The fact that we're still getting new cotton games in 2022. Uh, I'm glad we finally we, – we talked about this. I don't think we've ever mentioned cotton on this podcast. We have. Um, offhand, though. I mean, it was never really a big focus because cotton is not the kind of thing I expect most people would have played. Uh, it's because it's almost impossible to play. <laughs> That's true. It's, Recently. For the longest time, it was very difficult to play cotton at all outside of Japan. Uh, cotton is a great example of what, back in the day, we would call a cute-em-up. Uh, basically, a, a shoot-em-up with cute characters, thus cute-em-up. We call that a portmanteau. Um, and it's a pretty solid game. I mean, really, really good, reliable, fundamental shooting there. If you like R-Type, for instance, I think you would like cotton. And uh, Hey, look, it's a new one. But let's just say this though, aesthetically and audibly, the games are always been, I've always always been superb. Yeah, and, yeah, they're kind of one of the showcase games for their respective consoles, like back in the day with the TurboGrafx-16. Mm-hmm. TurboGrafx-16 CD had many many good cotton games, uh, Sega Saturn, at least the Japanese, and I don't know if it ever came out in America. But I, you and I were talking about it. There was that one cotton game on the Mega Drive. Um, Looks like it, Space Harrier. Can't yeah, recall the name. Might but, be mm, cotton. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, we, we've come to the point now where a game like Cotton coming to the West wouldn't even cause a stir because of its aesthetic. But no, back in the 90s, you would never see things like this. In fact, a um, little history lesson for you. If you if, if you had games that were so ostensibly Japanese-looking, like that mm -hmm. anime mostly, yep. uh, aesthetic, they would get that torn out of the game. Like, they would completely have it stripped. Yeah, they would, they would revamp the game entirely. It's true. Yeah, um, like... Um, the, the two games that remind me the most, I think there was uh, Ranma One Half Hard Battle, I think, it became like Metal Combat. And you had uh, Decap Attack starring Chuck D. Head, uh, was originally, uh, goodness, I do not know the name of the Japanese original, but they don't look I, anything I, do, like I know what you're talking about, though, I can't recall. And yeah. also, did you guys know that uh, that Super Mario Bros. 2 is actually Ooh, Doki Doki that. Panic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although, the, the very minimal changes, though, let's be honest. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, it's nice to see Cotton coming back. Uh, one of the things I'll always say whenever people are like, oh, the game industry is so horrible, microtransactions, loot boxes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, look, two things. First off, Game Pass. Game Pass is amazing. Shut your mouth. Second off, they localize everything now, and that's yeah. awesome. Well, not only do they localize, they bring back stuff that was never localized. They localize they stuff, back. they localize it faithfully, and they bring back these series well, like Cotton. Well, or how about this? I mean, let's just give Nintendo a little credit. They brought back Earthbound, you know, or Mother, the original Mother, like the original game that never came here on the Famicom. They completely translated officially. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, like this is like you may like you may like you said you may scoff at certain things, but if you're willing to look, this is the best time ever for playing games. The only problem, though, and uh, before we transition, is that. I think I, the root problem, Corey, the reason why people seem to be miserable mm -hmm. is that there's really no hunt anymore. 
you don't have to look in obscure yeah, magazines. Yeah, you don't really have to go and search out flea markets or whatever. You can play anything you want with pretty much no issue. I could I could turn on my Switch and download Cotton Fantasy and be playing it in 20 minutes. Yep. Like, there's there, that's utopia as far as I'm concerned. Sounds good to me. But, but uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's move on to our second feature, which is NPD, the National Purchase Diary. Uh, numbers came out a couple days ago for yep. April. Uh, this is going back in time to April 2022. Um, NPD, like I said, it's the best snapshot of what we got. It's not the greatest, not the most comprehensive, but it's a good, clean look at what's going on on the video game shelves for digital and uh, physical. So, so as far let's... as a as far as a quick overarching look of spending in general, I don't think it's going to surprise anybody to hear that given the economy, uh, spending is going down. That's well, two, it's two things. I think one is the economy. Two is I think we typically see spending go down because it's the summertime. People want to go outside, maybe not spend their time in playing games. Uh, ask again about complete sales when we hit like November. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, it's been going on, and like I said, there's supply issues going around. And like I said, we're coming out of a pandemic, and I, we use the word captive audience, but that's exactly what it was. And I right. think future marketers are going to have to going to have to account for that. Like when you have uh, when you have uh, what do you call it a market that is simultaneously trapped at home but has access to online ordering. I think it changes the dynamics of what capitalism is. At least oh yeah, absolutely. So. Now, when it comes to the big list of games, though, um, interestingly, there's not a lot of new stuff on here. Um, no, but last last month was interesting. Like we never like last month just because of the cumulative stuff. But like when we talk about this, where let's just be fair, uh, Switch is still the best selling. Uh, we have some news about the Switch later, by the way. That's very interesting. It's the Switch Pro. It's finally nope. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean I guess we could talk about it later. But no, the, they announced the Switch has outsold the PlayStation Four in America, which is crazy. Uh, Crazy, but not surprising. It's Nintendo. Uh, So, I mean, one of the reasons, of course, that it would have is that I'm pretty sure the Switch has now been around longer than the PS4, hasn't it? uh, Well, I mean... I mean, during during the height of its its lifespan, I guess is a better way to put that. Five years. uh, Five years. So, PlayStation 4 came out 2013, so that would have put it, what, at 27? So, basically, the year the, the Switch came out would have been the year the... The PlayStation would have hit that milestone, but the PlayStation Four was a bestseller. Sony kept. Remember, Sony is ramping up production of those things to compensate for the lack of PlayStation Fives. Which hopefully, is why got- hopefully that's starting to come to an end. We'll start to see more PS Fives on the shelves anyway. Because I got to say, this thing is great. You can go and play Demon Souls on. That's really good. But I yeah, Sony. Uh, I think Sony announced they sold 18 million PS Fours. But I think the biggest gap of that around the world, and we won't get into the specifics because I don't have the numbers, but it's Japan that's lagging behind. Like. The, the PlayStation 5 is selling well, but the Switch, like, you have to understand, you know this, the Switch dominates Japan unlike any console that has ever dominated a country. It's 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 not only as it phased out the PlayStation for the most part, it's completely phased out Microsoft completely. It's 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 an imbalance that I think is we're due for a correction, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's happening. Yep, absolutely. So... When it comes to the actual list of games, again, not a whole lot of new stuff here. We talked probably the biggest news you're going to hear from this NPD, but let's mm-hmm. go on. Let's go over them anyway. Uh, first up, okay. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. It's a lot more Borderlands. It was a lot higher up because uh, game's not terrible. It's not Borderlands Four. It's coming in twenty. By the way, we should state that this is the top twenty software. Yeah, game top twenty. It's number twenty. You're right. Yep. All right. Okay. Number nineteen is Madden twenty two. Eighteen is Mario Party Superstars. It's still on that list. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. As is a lot of this stuff, to be honest. Um, 17 is WWE 2K22, uh, 16 is Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Animal Crossing, which, as we mentioned a couple times, big update a couple months ago. If you haven't played in a while, take another look. Mm-hmm. It's great. Nintendo uh, Nintendo announced, I think, 80%. They said something like 80% of people have upgraded to the upgraded Nintendo Online that gives you access to the Genesis and everything. And, of course, that includes the Animal Crossing DLC. I, I would suspect a lot of those numbers came from the Animal Crossing DLC. I think so. Yeah. 15 is uh, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, if you had a PS5, you could play it on there, but you probably have a PS4, so try it on there. It's a little bit short, solid game, though. 14 is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It is a shame that there are not going to be any more DLC characters. I was really waiting for the Doom guy. Number okay. th- Eventually. We can hope. Number 13 <laughs> is uh, Black Ops Cold War. Uh, still. Number 12 is uh, FIFA 22. There's a news story about these Call of Duty games we're going to have to... We'll conclude this section with, but I'll save it until the last. Okay. Uh, number 11 is Minecraft, of course. Number 10 is Pokemon Legends Arceus, which still doing gangbusters. Good to see it. Uh, interestingly, Pokemon Legends Arceus is still here. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl not still here. 
Interesting. Yep. Uh, number nine, Gran Turismo 7. Number eight is th- – that game had some issues, right? They fixed everything with that game? Which one? Gran Turismo 7 had some issues, didn't uh, it? It didn't have issues. It had controversy in the way, like, the stats respect. Uh, I ah. talked to everyone about this. It's They tried to do the microtransactions and delaying things, and eventually the, Sony just said, screw it. We give up. Here's all your tokens. Here's all this. It's one of those things where it's sort of what Capcom did with Street Fighter V, and you see it in – uh, Square did with Final Fantasy XIV, where they acknowledged they didn't even try to fight the criticism, and they're working to address it. And of course, GameSoul is selling very, very well. Uh, but again, I think I would love to see the split between PS5 and PS4. Hey, it would be pretty interesting for sure. Um, let's see. We've got Mario Kart 8, of course. That's the deluxe edition on the Switch. Uh, number seven is Horizon 2, Forbidden West. I don't think they actually call it Horizon 2. I think it's just Horizon Forbidden West. Point thing, pretty solid game. You should try it. Uh, w- don't be surprised if we see a PC release next year or so. I think so. Yep. Sooner, sooner than we think. Probably. probably. Number six, Call of Duty Vanguard. Not surprising that it's higher. Uh, also not surprising that we still see Cold War because I bet it's cheaper, and I bet if you want to play Warzone, you can play it with Cold War instead. Mm-hmm. Do you know uh, the new uh, Call of Duty? What's the Call of Duty online game? Is it Warzone? Yes. Uh, they're getting uh, Godzilla and King Kong. You know, there goes Tokyo. Yo, yo, Godzilla. <laughs> Number five. I've been playing this recently, actually. You uh, you want me to review this one? I think I might. I think I might. Number five is uh, Nintendo Switch Sports. Uh, and I hate, to, I hate to disappoint people. It is not as good as Wii Sports because yeah, it's not I mean- Wii Sports. I mean, it's not Wii Sports. Yeah, that, that's, it's not that, Karatis. That's the worst thing fair. I could say about it, that it's not Wii Sports. Otherwise, it's pretty solid. Well, you have to go out and get it. Like, yeah. we saw the same thing with Wii Sports Deluxe. Like, you got to go out and get it, and that's already going to put, like, uh, that's going to put some distance between you and what you think of the game. Where you, it's just not there for you. And I know that shouldn't matter, but it does. It's going to take a lot to replicate that same feeling when you first got that Wii back home and you turned it on and you played Wii Sports Tennis for a while. That's, uh, that's something else. Well, it's also not revolutionary in the way you, you manage it, let's be honest. Right, like, that's you're, true. You're not, holding, you're not holding this vibrating controller that you can swing around, throw at your TV, and you know break your new TV. So. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Hey, speaking of breaking TVs, I think in this game you can eat one and become one, <laughs> if I recall it's a thing. Uh, number four is Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which is still here. That's impressive. Can I tell you something? Um, yeah. This game has won me over in a way I didn't expect, because I'm not the biggest Kirby fan, and yeah. I think maybe it's because my... I'll just say my proximity to Kirby was right around Elden Ring, which we'll get to. Sure. Um, I love ga- I love both games dearly. I think they're both masterpieces. But they really belong together. Like, if you really get burned out on Elden Ring or get frustrated, immediately put on Kirby, and you will feel happier. Unless you're like, playing on anything but Spring Breeze mode, Kirby's difficult. It's not. It can, it's, it's not. And I was playing a boss on Kirby, and I forget. I, it was one of the bosses, and it's got the, the boss, you know, health bar. And I get that panic. I'm like, oh no, here we go. I was like, oh no, 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 it's not that. It's not Elden Ring. <laughs> oh my god, I caught myself thinking that Kirby was going to be difficult. No, not even a little. Um, <laughs> number two is, uh, sorry, number three is MLB The Show 22. It's baseball. Number two is Elden Ring. It's baseball. Um, yeah. It's not. Well, you're, yeah, if you're the ball. That's true, that. yeah. Elden Ring, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be on here for a long time. It's the newest, spiciest Souls game. Um, yeah, but there's a caveat, though, and this has mm-hmm. never happened before since we've ever done this podcast. Elden Ring has outsold Call of Duty. That's true. Never it happened. sure has, actually. Never happened. Um, you know, it's funny, though. Funny you should mention, because that's your second corollary to that. Elden Ring has outsold Call of Duty, but it lost to something else, something you might not expect. Again, when we remember, we, we preface this by saying NPD should be taken with a grain of salt and everything. So, I mean, numbers... Numbers go up and down, but number one for the month, and we talked about this on last month, and we knew it was going to be big. Yeah, we, we knew it. Uh, number one is Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. And I mean, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense that it beat Elden Ring. Like, Elden Ring is a wonderful game. It's a masterpiece. It's a lot of fun, et cetera, et cetera. You couldn't beat the fish boss, though, even though you're fat rolling. Uh, number one, though, I mean, it's got the Lego. It's got the it, Star Wars. You don't have to play the parts in the sequels if you don't want to, and who would? That's great. Well, it's, 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 it's somewhere where it said, oh, it's got six great games and the other three. Yeah. But uh, but I was going to say, it's uh, May the 4th be with you, because May is Star Wars month. Uh, you know, I can't imagine how many kids and significant others and parents and so on gave copies of this game for May the 4th. I'll say this, though. Even if you don't like the new, um, even if you don't like the new prequel, uh, the sequel movies, even if you, you know, I've, I saw them all in the theater. You're so saying I mean, if you have good taste. 
I mean, here's the thing. I saw an article today, I think, on Polygon or one of the sites, IGN, that said, oh, the clone, you know, Star Wars Attack of the Clones was not as bad as I thought. Yeah, it was. But it's 20, it's 20 year anniversary. But the fact of the matter is, is that you get the new Obi-Wan show coming out this month where it's a direct sequel to the prequels. There's not many franchises, and I would include Marvel in there, where you can have successive generations enjoying a game together like this. Because what, what's, what's the other one? Halo? Halo's got a TV show out now, right? An episode uh, of Halo. Have you watched it? Um, I've not. I heard in the most recent one, it's actually like a love story where Master Chief has sex with somebody. He has sex with a Covenant, and he sees his butt cheeks. And so I thought <laughs> I to myself, <laughs> really? I was like, I was like, you thought taking off the mask was bad? <laughs> so, but but it's like it, it reminds me of when I watched Star Trek uh, Discovery. I don't know if you watched Star Trek Discovery, like the new show at Paramount. No, same, I'm not. By the way, exact same network, same producers. There was a uh, sexual assault between a Klingon woman and a human. Amazing. And I thought to myself, like, this is not my daddy's Star Trek, and I don't like it. Like, I say, I'm not sure anybody signed up for that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is not what I wanted. And I thought to myself, okay, you get the franchise here, but Star Wars, though, the Lego Star Wars, can we just say this? Even if you're not a big fan of them, they've been pretty damn consistently good right. since they've ever come out, and people like them, and they're harmless. I don't think you would play it either, right? No. But I assume that if there are six really good games, that even the, the sequels are probably wrapped into that system somewhere. And... I mean, I'm, you'll get your money's worth. Absolutely. And uh, before we before we get off the numbers, I want to just toss out one last quick point. Um, Elden Ring did not beat LEGO Star Wars this month. Yeah. Elden Ring has actually beaten every other game released in all of 2022 so far. Well, again, I, I, I have, I'm going to assume that Elden Ring will be in the top ether of this list, and Star Wars will probably slowly shrink down. It's just it's the way it goes. Yeah. But... But that's a that's still a great showing. That means there's there's a lot of diversity on this list. Like you have sports, you have shooters, you have puzzlers, you have Mario Kart, <laughs> you have action RPGs. You got a lot of stuff, and that's that that bodes well. That Absolutely. you see so much. It's not all Call of Duty. So let's Half see. Duty. Let's see what else we got. We went ahead and did the numbers. We talked about the Switch outselling the PS4. How um, here's an interesting point: the Embracer Group, which is <laughs> a that. holding company. Um, I believe they own THQ Nordic, they own Gearbox, uh, they own quite a few different companies, and now they also own Eidos, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal, because Square Enix sold them all. Um, you know what's really funny? What's they that? sold them for like a pittance. Yeah, like, no, they sold them for, for nothing. It was $300 million, like nothing. Like it, it makes you wonder, like, what is the value of the Tomb Raider franchise? Or like, I, I don't know that the remakes did very well. They're, they've become darlings for like the um, stress testing of video cards and everything, like especially right. last Tomb Raider. But but for the most part, I mean, the games are perfectly serviceable and they're yeah, fine. Yeah, no, they're they totally are. fine. But I don't think they made much of an impact, really. But I think I don't I don't know if anybody actually bought the games because they gave them out for free with yeah, video cards. Numerous so. numerous ways to get those games for free. Uh, you can get them free on Epic. You can get them free with your video card. I think they went on Game well, Pass. The movie came out too. The uh, with uh, Alexander Vikander, I think her name is the, the remake Flop, a couple didn't years it? ago. Yeah, it was a huge flop. Like, and you know, they made a big deal about it. I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive here, but they made a big deal. It's modern. It's she's not going to be as exploitive as the Angelina Jolie one. Yeah, and it failed. Like, mm. people kind of want exploitation in their stuff. That's why you're going to troll Ghostbusters. Well, the Uncharted movie did well. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a flop. You know, I, you know I, I would have seen that, but it looked like Nathan Drake was like ten. So. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's not. It's basically is as good as you're gonna get. Like you're never gonna get a National Treasure movie again with Nicolas Cage, sadly. So this is pretty. This is like third-rate Indiana Jones. Yep. It, it is what it is. Absolutely. But, um, you know. Uh, you know what else is what it is. Mm. Uh, the fact that we're somehow acting surprised that GTA V has sold 165 million copies. You know, due to having been out for what a decade. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two has sold 44 million copies. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2 has sold twice as many as Red Dead Redemption It is the sad Redemption cowboy 1. game. Sad cowboy game, but here's the thing, though, about it. It's got no traction in the gaming culture, and yes. that's that's the part that's interesting to me. It's like people are buying this game, and they're not really playing it. And whereas Grand Theft Auto V, people are playing the hell out of it. People love that it. online mode still. You feel it, and they microtransaction yeah. the hell out of it. But I think I think we can make this statement. That the way that the way Rockstar does their um, microtransactions is agreeable to the community, and they don't seem to mind it too much because yeah, the game is if they had a problem, updated. if they had a problem with it, they wouldn't, you know, the game would have died off. 
Oh no, it just keeps getting bigger yeah. and more powerful. Like they did the new versions just come out on the PS5? Um, yeah, actually. I had a chance to try the PS5 version. It's only like ten dollars if you own the game previously, so of course I gave it a shot. Um it's pretty good. I'm gonna say that the biggest mo- the biggest change if you have a decent video card on a PC, the biggest change on the PS5 is that it has haptics, which that makes any game better. For the DualSense controller, is that yep. it? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I um, I'll just say this though. I remember I was at E3 myself, and was it 2013? Mm-hmm. Was it 2013 when they when they showed it off? Uh, very excited, very excited. Uh, but my question is, they already announced that Part Six is in development. This is this is going to be one of those things where I don't know where they can go with this and I don't know what the reaction is going to be because Rockstar is one of the it's Rockstar has become like the M&M of video game developers where their their entire notoriety came from being a, like controversial sure and it looks like the last couple of years they've pulled a lot of that back and so I don't know what's going to happen with the Grand Theft Auto 6 I can't imagine it's going to be as openly offensive as like part 5 was you know, it's hard to say, really. Um, I will say I don't know that we're going to see any bi- any games that are bigger than Elden Ring this year, but the year that GTA comes out, it's something I might have to compete with Bethesda's uh, Starfield as well. Which which just got delayed. But, yeah, it right. got delayed in 23, which um, GTA 6 maybe comes in 23, who knows? But that would be the, the battle for the ages, wouldn't it? You you think Starfield will be available on PlayStation? Do you think they're going to walk that back? Mm. Or is it just going to be Xbox and PC? Like, I, they're just it, leaving too much money on the table. If I were Microsoft, I, that's not what I would do, but I'm not Microsoft. Well, we just saw on this list the MLB game that's published by Sony available on the Switch. And that's true. Conversely, we saw uh, – what was that micro, – what's the Microsoft game that was available on the Switch um, besides uh, Minecraft? What was um, that? There's a couple things like this, and mm. it's like – you see these companies be a lot, lot more open with publishing on other on competing platforms, like Sony publishing on PC. You know, it's I don't know, but Grand Theft Auto V reached this milestone because it's available on almost everything. Yep. And it's been available multiple times. And I wonder though, can we just be end it like this? How many times have the same person bought? every version like i wonder uh, i i, I will say i probably own three different yeah, no I, I definitely own four different copies of gta 5 i have uh, a xbox 360 version uh when the ps4 version came out i reviewed that one mm-hmm. um when the pc version came out i reviewed that one and then i dropped like 10 bucks in the ps5 version because why the hell not i'm surprised this game hasn't hasn't reached the switch by the way i just i'm a little surprised i, I am sure it'll come eventually um but i'll just say this though i don't know if it makes grand theft auto 5 the best-selling game of all time uh, I would I would probably say it's a good bet. It's probably yes. a contender for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, unless you compare it to things like Minecraft or you know Candy Crush or whatever, I don't know how those measure up. But do we have any more stories before we? Oh, we got one more um, story. It's not. It's, it's, not it's relevant. About to say it's relevant. I don't know if it's super. If it's a really big deal. So E3 is not going to happen this year at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's but, not surprising anybody. But there's still a bunch of press conferences. Yeah, we well we talked about this. I mean, those people paid a lot of money. They yeah. paid a lot of money. Um, it, a lot of, by the way, that's what killed E3. By the way, all the money that's required. Yeah, very um, expensive. You know, you got to send reps out. You got to pay for your spot. You got to. Uh, you had to get people into a show that was steadily becoming less relevant. I mean, at a certain point, even the gaming community looks at E3 as kind of a joke. Um, for my money, I think it became a joke when you start just letting anybody in. Well, I'll just say this: I've documented most of that stuff as it happened in real time, mm-hmm. and you and I have talked about this ad nauseum don't really want to discuss it again sure but we you could see this happening in in, in slow burn like right. you saw the irrelevancy pile on it didn't have to be that way um other shows have survived you've had pax thrive you've had ces thrive um you've had larger tech shows like uh, and you gotta you gotta think about it with these other shows i mean kind of the, the paradigms that they had pax has always been a show for everybody i don't think you ever had to have a press pass to get into pax and you thus could. pax thrived on that um full disclosure we have had press passes uh, yeah you could be with them yeah like we uh, and they have multiple paxes i think there was one in boston like right with them and meanwhile but, ces i think ces you can't i don't think you can just go into ces i think you need a press pass and that kind of thrives on that and e3 tried to kind of pivot away from only press to a mix of press and people and it didn't really work out i don't think it reminds me of the idea of when the artist becomes a celebrity and E3 was always a press industry show. It was focused. It was narrowly focused. Um, it presented itself really well. At one time, it was a very valuable show. Right. But it, it slowly, slowly wanted to become more than this. And they didn't know how to transition because the gaming community works backwards. Like, 
the gaming community doesn't have an Academy Awards. They had E3. Like, E3 was the Academy Awards for a very long time. Like, oh, best of E3, best of E3, like, but the game's not finished. So it kind of gave you a distorted idea where the, the emphasis was on, uh, I, I don't know how to say it any more clear than this, Corey, but press whoring. Yeah. Like, how do, how do I grab attention? And, you know, that was to the detriment of smaller developers that could not possibly compete. Because you've been to E3 before. You know as well as I do. You go into the booth, you go into the, 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 the room with Activision. Everything's Call of Duty. Everything's Bethesda. It's huge. But then you go a few, a few uh, aisles down and you have that, let's just call it what it is. It's a developer ghetto where you're lucky to get a cubicle. Yeah, you know? that's entirely <laughs> that true. Was, they still attended, and they're starved for attention. And to our credit, for Pop Zara, not to say we're better than anybody else, but to our credit, we always tried to find the balance. And it became harder and harder and harder as they de- as they devalued us. They valued influencers more. They uh, evaluated... Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to... I don't want to sit here and have us be bitter about that, because no, that's reasonable. In, in, influencers push a lot more product than we do, and that's what E3 know, was I, about. But I don't know if that's true. Like, it's not about, like, can you push my product? It's about, can we expand the coverage? It's like the influencer who you're going to hire is not going to talk about some indie indie game that's developed by two Chinese people from Shanghai. They're going to physically be sponsored by Activision. Sure. They're going to be sponsored by Microsoft. So the press coverage is a foregone conclusion. And when you do that, when you walk into E3 and there's already buttons on games that said best of show nominee before the show even starts, what's the point of the show anymore? What's the point right. of letting people in? There's no point. There's no point. And that's what happened. And we, again, we predicted this, and it was true. And yeah. I wish these I wish these uh, publishers well. Like, you're not seeing any big names in this. Like, 505, no offense, we love you, 505, but you're not Activision. Uh, Guerrilla Collective, Day of the Devs, you know, I'm sure... That's going to be a fun time, though. By the way, oh, absolutely! Those, those shows—that's the best reason to go. Um, and we'll we'll figure out something. We'll do some. We'll figure out some version of coverage for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, if E3 ever comes back, that its time has come and passed. That's just kind of how it goes, isn't it? It happens. Yeah. Life goes on. So speaking of goes on, are we done? Yeah. No, I think we pretty much wrapped it up. It's a quiet month. We're going into the slow season, yeah. but uh, I'm sure we'll have some indie stuff to talk about and some random. Triple A stuff coming out to talk about, and uh, yeah. we'll be back with you guys next time for sure. That's true, and hopefully some big changes coming in the next couple of months as we head into the summer of fun. Uh, this has been Nathan Evans, managing editor of PopZara.com, and want to thank once again Mr. Corey, Galaxy Quest, Gallagher, Corey, welcome back, and thank you for being here. Hey, never give up, never surrender. Never give up, never surrender. If you get that quote, you're better than me. We'll see everybody on the next level. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the PopZara Podcast. For more quality original content, check out PopZara.com for the latest reviews and previews in gaming, movies, tech, and more.